Laura Palmer is dead. A Twin Peaks podcast, part nine. Our first one-parter episode, which is what I've always wanted to do. So I'm very it's happy for this. What our goals were. Right. It took us a while to catch there. up. But it there's so much to talk about. Like, you almost need two podcasts for every one episode. It's so much stuff. Um, I'm Kelly Dowd with Patrick Dowd and Melissa. Do we want to triangulate last names? Is that okay? I mean, you already said your last name. I know. Name, so I just didn't want to assume. My last name. <laughs> I'm not just going to be the Dowd of the group. I just want to make sure you're Melissa. okay with it. I didn't want to assume. Just Melissa. You can call me Melissa Kriya. Melissa Korea. <laughs> it's already on our uh, all of our iTunes stuff. It is. We realized that we don't <laughs> yeah. ever introduce oh, ourselves or talk about yeah. who we are. We're in it for the this peaks. Week. This Melissa week. and Kelly had a dinner together because mm-hmm. we're friends. And then it turned into friends in real life. five IRL hours of, of drinking. A little when bit the of sushi are pink. and a... <laughs> When the cocktails are pink, they we were know all pink that that's and Kelly just kept ordering them, and I was like, "I can keep up." Tonight, which is but like so odd for me, but yeah, it was not a good decision, <laughs> but it was a great decision. Here's a fun fact: she <laughs> said "Garmin Buzia" like three times yep. while we were just out at a bar. Because I like to see kind of what the Twin Peaks temperature in the room is, and if you throw a Garmin Bozia, it's a good way to just kind of cast a quick net. Were you asking people if they knew no. what Garmin Bozia was? No, just talking just about it with Melissa. Just like, <laughs> like, it was just me. You know when Kelly gets really drunk and she just yeah. stands and like gets really close to you mm-hmm. and then just talks about I stuff that lumpy. she really... Really is passionate about, yes. which is basically Bosia, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. How much David I love Lynch. you guys, David and Lynch. And so she mm-hmm. did that the several times suspects. through the night, mm-hmm. where it was like she would pull back, <laughs> then come just back at you with the love of corn. With the love of corn, you know, <laughs> corn is an, a highly underrated food. I think. Mm-hmm. I think like things like avocado get a lot more attention than corn when really like. They're both pretty interchangeable in my book. Corn, I mean, get all the chips. It's really good. (laughs) The Garmin Bosia dip you made for our Twin Peaks premiere party was... I mean, people have been talking about that. It's been... Listeners, this has been discussed in Chicagoland at large. If I had my way and had more time and access to my work printer, it would have had a small child... Holding the pot, <laughs> but because because we wanted I did the magician, it. and then Aka cream corn boy. Yeah, I know. So it was really good. It's just on our Pinterest board. Yeah, you can't imagine the the your talent for themed parties is. Here's a fun fact. I'm fucking good at. Oh my parties. god! Give me a theme. I can run with it. Yes. I can, Make it happen. Yeah. I can have costumes, entertainment, and decorations. See, that's where you're more the the full experience. I can cosplay. I'm a good throw a costume together person. I'm a sorority girl. But you can do a whole situation. (laughs) Yes. So I feel like that really has a part of me. That's why every time I participate in a work costume contest, like thing, because yes, you won your last one. 
The one that was the Home Alone theme. Oh, sort of. There were two groups in the contest. So. Oh, that was good. I was so proud of you. <laughs> I'm really proud of... Listeners, one of my uh, first, you know, wins in life was that I, I was costume designer for a kindergarten production of The Sound of Music, Aww. costumed entirely out of towels at a retreat of some kind at the weird Montessori school that I was a part of. Oh, that is very... <laughs> we haven't talked about Twin Peaks at all right now. No, we haven't. But this just... is very interesting to me. Well, because, like... <laughs> Was the towel a theme? Nope, it was just like a... For some reason it was like, we're taking all of the students to a lake house of some kind, and I decided that the activities such as kayaking, hiking, making s'mores was boring, and what would be more fun would be Mm. to mount a full-scale production of The Sound of Music. And I thought, what resources do we have? We have towels. I will use that to costume a lot and that was how we did it and so from there I think I won some sort of kindergarten award akin to costume designer expert of some kind you know I've really let it go to my head all those years I have I really as you know Melissa your skill of draping has been one of the things that drew us together it's true I don't trust someone who can't drape Again, I was in a sorority in college, so I know how to make a toga right. with my eyes closed, Who knew basically. that being in a sorority and being a musical theater major would be so similar? It's really similar. It's weird. It's very similar. When we went to your first... So, me and Tom used to date after this podcast. Oh, this listeners, podcast. Tom is no longer a part of the podcast. He went to the Black Lodge. Oh, he... It's sort of like a Wyndham Earl figure. He was the Albert figure, but then crossed over from Albert to Wyndham Earl, which is a line that we all tread in our lives. <laughs> it's true. But he and so teetered did the Wyndham o- Earl. He, right. And so he teetered over, flew the coop. So now we're continuing our journey on. broke up with his girlfriend. So in turn. The good Tom is in the. <laughs> the good Tom is in the Black Lodge. Yeah. And he's just stuck there for the next 25 but years. The new Doppel Tom. Doppel Tom is. Doppel Tom that has like long hair and wears like snake skins. No beard. Yeah. And no, no beard. beard. You can't trust someone who shaves their beard. No. So. Anywho. We're continuing on. But anyway. Podcast goes on. When. One of the first togetherness of Melissa and Tom and Pat and Kelly were a toga party. Yes. And I told Tom, I was like, I got this. And he's like, are you sure? Because (laughs) I wrapped a halter top toga myself. You look amazing. I still have that picture. I was like, this is a girl toga. This is not a boy toga. Like, let's just do this. And I was like... Again, in a sorority, had a lot of toga parties. Yeah. Like, I could drape like no other. Draping is key. Yeah. All you need is it's, a sheet. It's pretty similar. Not a fitted one. No. An unfitted one. Uh, or if you end up with a fitted one, you cut up all of the <laughs> stretchy parts, and then you just work with that. Like Who knew? You would think that sorority girl and drama club girl would be natural enemies, but actually natural allies. No, it's, it's an amazing all thing. A production. It's in, all a production. 
in just different terms. It's true. So speaking of productions, we start out part nine with Evil Coop walking to the farm. And I actually think it's a really good shot because we see definitively that Coop wasn't harmed by the Dugpas or zombie coal miners, whatever we're calling them. Yeah. He managed to get out pretty much unscathed. I mean, he's dirty, but he's fine. He's He's bloody and stuff, but he's very limber and like... Fine. And, And like, he's going to the farm, which it's interesting to me, too, that Ray so clearly gave him directions to where he was going before killing him. I feel like that was a dumb move by Ray. But then he was also like, I'm going to the farm in case he shows up. I'm at the farm. But then he wasn't at the farm. That's why I was like... So we don't know where Ray is, do we? I was like, are we sure this is the farm? It might not be. We don't know it's the farm. I guess I'm assuming it's the farm. Me too. Because, because that's where they said they'd go, and I thought that Ray called Chantal, and that's oh. who he was talking to. I don't know he why. He called uh, Philip Jeffries. Oh, yeah, that's he right. He called Philip Jeffries. At least, well, okay. at least one of the No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So Jeffries, but. maybe he wasn't going to the farm, or maybe this isn't the evil. Farm. Yeah, it isn't we the farm. Know. Yeah. It yeah. is interesting that um, Hutch and Chantal, Hutch played by Tim Roth, very. Very cool cameo for Tim Roth, which not surprised that Tim Roth is a David Lynch favorite. Like, that's a perfect yeah. relationship. Um, but the two of them are so loyal to Evil Coop, it's kind of almost cute. Like, they're just like, give the boss a wet one. Like, <laughs> give him a new cell phone, Chantal. Like, they're just so oh, in love with double, him. A double assassination. But it sounds a great boss. Yeah, he's like, whatever you want. Sure. Ooh, uh, yeah. Another murder. Thank you. <laughs> That's why I thought it must be the farm because I was like, more. these must be like the farm hands, you know, Chantal <laughs> No, Hutch. it made sense, but it never was clarified. No, it wasn't. You're and right. Then, and then Ray's not there. Because Ray's not there, it's like, is it really the farm or just right farm. Well, remember that once the, in the first episode or two where you went to that creepy, like, shack? Right, is that like, the farm? That might be the farm, I'm thinking. Because it's like a farm oh, of assassins, maybe? Yeah. Like a farm of farm hired... Farm of hillbilly assassins. Yeah. <laughs> that have a weird... Black Lodge right. yeah. association. Yeah. Because yeah. I got really angry, so... Every episode going forward, we will be live tweeting. Yes. You can follow us on Twitter at, <laughs> at L I P. <laughs> yes, the underscore podcast. <laughs> so, Laura Palmer's Dead podcast. Um, we live tweet. And one of the big things was I thought Chantel was kind of slutty, but then I was like, was who's the actress it's not Laura Linney no it's Kevin Bacon's wife right Chantal I yeah. forget oh um she's Laura from Lin- uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High yeah I, I don't know her name Laura Paul she's Kevin Bacon's wife so I believe it anyway Can't like she just right makes out with him for no reason yeah. but right. then I was like if I was this actress I would be like Oh, McLaughlin. Yeah. I would kiss you. For sure. You want to. Jennifer like, Jason Lee is her. There you yeah. go. Yeah. And well, are you yeah, sure? Yeah, that's Jennifer Jason Lee is playing Chantel. She was in the first episode as well. Yeah. Where after he killed that other 
like Daria. Ooh, Daria. Yeah. After he killed Daria, was. he went and had times with Chantal, and he yep. said how wet she was. Yeah. I remember because yeah. I was like, "Wow, that is pretty aggressive." I mean, that, that was, was really far. That's Jennifer Jason. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that there's best signs. Sure. I think that Evil Coop deals in the pleasures as Bob no. discuss or as Mike, one armed Mike discusses. Yes. And so I think there's a genuine connection between him and Chantal. Yeah. Um, I think he, like, truly likes her. He digs her. Yeah. It's certainly possible. <laughs> I don't think he would, like, think twice before throwing her in front of a speeding train, but I think right. he, he's, like, invested in keeping her alive. Interesting, then, that we have kind of split between these two farm scenes that we were just discussing. The plane ride. Or the plane ride between Tammy, Albert, Cole, and Diane, which just even visually, mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a it, image, like the farm is so gritty and dirty and dusty, and then it cuts to this really pristine, clean, kind of um, government, almost clean-looking plane with all these bright yeah. colors because Diane's in all these bright colors with her bright blonde hair. Green and Tammy pants. has her bright red hair. It's just like a very different feel and look to it. But this is where Gordon Cole gets the information about Buckhorn Sheriff's Department and wanting to detour the whole plane to... Lieutenant Knox. And, yeah, to yes. find out more about Major Briggs. And... Um, the two things of note, I think, that happen in this scene are that he references to Diane, this might be of interest to her, to you, and she says, oh, the Blue Rose case. Yeah. So we know that the Laura Palmer case was the Blue Rose case, meaning, I think, like, unexplained phenomenon case. Like, it's the case that we never solved. It's the one that got away. So, so Diane has history with the case through Cooper that that Gordon Cole's referencing here. Because, but were there more than one Blue Rose cases? I think because so. Because of Fire Walk With Me, where, right. like, where Which Lil. one is this? It's a Blue Rose. Right. Right. She says, yeah, oh, again. One of the Blue Rose cases. I feel like so, it could be multiple cases. I always just but, thought that yeah. Blue Rose cases are like Exiles cases. They're cases that have some tie to some supernatural phenomenon, or are unexplained, mm-hmm. or fit into some category right. like that. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they're... It's just, like, the Laura Palmer cl- case is the only Blue right. Rose case. There can be I more. And they kind of alluded to that with Firewalk With Me. Because right. Because it was prior to, like, the people were going there before the Laura Palmer case. Exactly. And the doppelganger uh, right. Twin Peaks. So but, I think it's it's there and and in this episode we really get into some deep portal theory. Like we've been talking kind of abstractly in the podcast about this theory of portals and numbers and the idea that there are portals to these other dimensions that are kind of unlocked by different numbers. Um, but in this episode, they really spell it out very clearly. Yeah. And it's now the first they're time like, they're kind of like, yeah. If you haven't been taking notes, like, <laughs> yeah. your podcast If you host. don't have a podcast, let's just feed it to you. Like, a here's <laughs> a fun fact. Like, we're going to say this number. We're going to say it again. Yeah. It's a thing. They really start to, in this episode, spell everything out. And what's the beautiful, beautiful payout for Twin Peaks fans is that the key to everything is Bobby Briggs, which is, like, just incredible. Um, 
I remember the ugly cry that Claire Danes yeah. is to Homeland. He's amazing. And I mean, like, it's it's funny, and I, I'm, like, jumping around a little bit here, but I can remember when I watched Twin Peaks that I wasn't necessarily the biggest Bobby fan. Like, Dana Ashbrook. No one was. Right. I mean, <laughs> I don't know about you listeners, but no one at this table was like, yay, right. Bobby. Right. They were like, but then, it, But then there are times where he's so... Over the top, kind of faux James Dean. That it's kind of funny, where you're like, "Wait, is James is 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 Dana Ashbrook actually like just super genius comedian, and like we're missing it, and he's really actually the coolest person ever?" No, and, we saw him. His you know, no, probably not. That. But I do remember that the scene <laughs> where Major Briggs is describing to Bobby about this dream he had about him where... On the veranda. Yeah, and he's like... Piazza. And they don't ever actually share... other notebook, guys. Well, (laughs) it's interesting, and I wish I had had notes on this, but, like, they don't verbatim share the dream in this episode, but there's references very heavy-handedly to, like, this dream that Major Briggs has about Bobby... Where, you know, he's seeing Bobby later in life, and Bobby's happy and fulfilled, and he's living in a beautiful home, and they embrace with nothing withheld. I remember that line, because I think it's like, for a father and son, there's a lot of just shit. And this idea of, like, embracing with nothing withheld is very hard, and it's uncommon. And parent and child. Yeah. It's the same thing. Exactly. And so I thought it was a beautiful... I remember in the series when it happened, I thought it was a beautiful passage. And to have it pay out in such a major way is really nice. And I actually am very pleased with this choice of having Bobby be such an integral part of where this investigation and this story is going. And I actually do think Dana Ashbrook has improved as an actor in the last 25 years. (laughs) But we also... Forget That's that Bobby thing. killed a guy. Yeah, Bobby. We, Bobby killed a guy. Got away. Got away with <laughs> I don't know if you remember this from Fire Walk with me yep. because you should. Yeah. Because he fucking killed a guy, and then know, they just kind of giggled about it's it. It's like he and was like, oh, Laura, yeah. Laura, Laura did. Laura yeah. convinces Laura. him that he killed Mike. Bobby you killed, killed Mike. Mike. He's like, is this Mike? <laughs> yeah. And now he's a cop. Yeah. Oh, now he's a cop and some. Th- Something about the vetting process of the twenties. I know it was department. But then we have Chad that's dealing drugs on the side, and then right. just a dick in general. But you know what? It's not uncommon for like the the neighborhood street toughs to become the cops. Like right. that really is kind of the See, way things sure, go, yeah. which is crazy. But like we've seen it with your with your friends Vicious from Berwyn, where like it's like the like becoming. kids who are like not street toughs like gangs but like the kids were like kind of like assholes who like mm-hmm. screw up There's and are screw up from somewhere where they're like do you know why I pulled you over you got C's in high school <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's from 30 Rock but it's right. like oh yeah because you're doing alright like it's but like in Garden State yeah. where it's like the cop is the, the kid who cops. like but then like yeah. he's like Fuck you! I got this badge. Right. I can. I can literally do whatever I want to you. Yeah, Yeah. and that's Chad for sure. I mean, Chad is that. No offense to local law enforcement here in Chicago. We were actually Pat and I have had two different (laughs) cop experiences that are both on the far ends of the spectrum. We had one experience where a cop just 
kind of came into our apartment in the middle of the night and harassed Pat. And then we had another experience. That That was in our old place. I don't want to triangulate where, but not here. Yeah, Yeah. they were banging on the door at like because we made the mistake of living next to drug dealers. Not our fault. Did you know? No. No, (laughs) obviously not. In fact, I brought them brownies from a party, like regular (laughs) brownies from a Halloween party. To be like, not we're your neighbors, why don't you just say hello, here's some brownies. And the guy like slammed the door in my face and I was like, oh God, weird. <laughs> um, so these cops were pursuing this guy and just like f- messed with me and Pat. But it was like in the middle of the night, it was very scary. They were not, I mean, it was not necessary for them to be that level of aggressive and aw- awful. And that's how yeah. CYPD can be. But then on the other hand, we had, we were just talking about cops when we had a Halloween party here that got called to a noise complaint and we're like the sweetest, coolest cops in the world that were like, hey, Princess Leia, because I was dressed as Princess Leia. Duh. Not surprising to anyone who's listening. And they were like, we're sorry. This is lame that we have to do this. In all fairness, not surprised to anyone at this table, <laughs> right. but maybe surprised to other people. <laughs> That's true. Like, <laughs> here's a fun fact. Kelly loves Princess I love Princess and Leia. Star Wars and Jedi. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I've dressed up as Princess Leia in many forms, multiple times. And this was one of those times. And the, this police officer was very nice. So you get assholes drawn to positions of power, but you also get great, sweet, wonderful people drawn to positions of power too. So it, what goes around comes around. But yeah, you can certainly see why Chad's a dick. Um, <laughs> So we get. I I do like too how in this episode we're getting payoffs with the connection that Evil Coop has to all these different factions. So you have the farm, and you do see how connected he is because he learns about the warden, um, Mm. or he um, is able to put a hit out on the warden and say kill the warden, Mm -hmm. and then he says doubleheader in Vegas. So I'm thinking that that is Duncan and someone else, but. Who's Duncan, the other person? Duncan and Dougie, probably. Oh, is that what he... No, oh. it's gotta be. Yeah. Duncan and Dougie. That's a good... Yeah, good guess. Because I, I was thinking... About it. Who, yeah. besides Duncan... So Duncan... What's the actor's name? Of Duncan? Yeah, I don't remember, I don't but know. he's been in David Lynch stuff before. He's been in a lot before. of David Lynch movies. He's one of those B actors. He's like in everything. Where, like, you see him and you're like... That guy. But then you have no idea who he is. He was in Mad Men. I remember that. He right. was like some baseball player who did a commercial with Don Draper. And yeah. Like, yeah. He's in everything. He's, I mean, he's like a really... He's one of those side, guys. Side he's man, like, side. that guy. Yeah, I've seen him in this. But it does <laughs> seem like that... So are we insinuating in this episode that Duncan reports to Evil Coop? Is oh, Evil yeah. Coop... Oh, yeah. So Obviously, Evil Coop is different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think we're assuming like the big man in, in Las Vegas, Vegas is, is Evil, Evil Coop. Coop. Okay, that's what I'm thinking. So I yeah. think he has yeah. ties in Vegas and in the Buenos Aires, right? As well, because he had the black box and like all of that shit going down. Yep. Right. Yep. So we know that. Yeah. So Coop is the Vegas billionaire. Which means that he has the footage of Dougie gambling in the, um, so he, so yeah, you're probably right, Pat. It's gotta be Duncan and Dougie. Duncan and 
does. But so then when Coop calls Duncan, he's talking about Dougie when he says, did you get it done yet? Did you get it done yet? And yeah. Duncan's like, no. So that's when he says to... Better um, be done before I call Right. Him. When he says to Hutch, double homicide, he's like, take care of Dougie right. that didn't get taken care of and Duncan that didn't ca- take oh, care of Dougie. I missed mm-hmm. a little bit of that. I think I'm that's probably what it is. Maybe. We don't know. Right? We don't know we for don't sure, know. but I think that's a good bet. That, that that's is what's a very, happening. like, legit. So then <clears throat> Evil Coop also texts around the dinner table. The conversation is lively. And he texts right it there, to and Diane. Then, yeah, goes to Diane. And then we find out that Around the dinner Diane. table, the conversation is... And it's interesting because it shows on her phone his blocked number, which means she blocked <clears throat> Cooper's number. I never but knew that when you block someone's sh- number, it still shows up. It just says blocked number, which to me seems like What's no. the point of blocking anyone? Then? Here's a fun fact: uh-huh. like if you really try to block someone's number, like you don't get any messages from. Right, that that's person. what I thought it was. So maybe someone else was trying to call her, right? But then, like they blocked the number. But then could if, be if Evil Coop sent a text message all around, and then Diane got it because we know Diane's being weirdly shady. Part of me wants to be Diane, part of me, like, hates her, but part of me loves her so much. <laughs> yeah, it's and a great episode her. for her. It really is, because you want to embrace her fuck you attitude. But Which is clearly a front. I mean, clearly she's right. hiding this intense vulnerability that I feel like comes from... These experiences, like, you get a picture when you watch Twin Peaks from Coop of who Diane is. Right. And we see now this picture of Diane, and we're trying to reconcile the two. And so we know that a traumatic event led to the Diane that we see because the old Diane wasn't this Diane. And I think we know that. Like, even the fact that this is the only Diane we've seen... We know that she wasn't always this callous and cynical. Mm-hmm. And it was a traumatic experience with Coop that turned her into this. And so it's just interesting. I think it's some really cool choices that they do with her. No, I agree. Because I think it's because you want to be her, but then you're sympathetic to her. As a woman viewer, I feel like right. she's a good character. Because, like, Tammy... You want to stab in the no, neck. No, I know, and <laughs> like I you really... You want to stab in the neck. I don't know I'm why. I'm trying to like... Like, I want to like Tammy. I came in wanting I to like Tammy. But, but you're it's not, just like... I, I think you're not meant to like her. No, I don't think so. Like, <laughs> that's just like... Now, like, now... That's what it's, they're going for there. At first, I was like, her. so... Who is this bitch? <clears throat> and then it was like... Because David Lynch is smarter than that. Right, he, because like, Diane knows. is someone where it's like... Girls not, love Diane. It's like, I know I'm not supposed to like her because, like, something shady's going on and, like, she's dipping into she the knows dark something. watch type thing. Yeah. But it's like, mm-hmm. her empowerment just makes me want to be her. I'm yeah, even like, I noted in good... that scene where in the Buckhorn Sheriff's Department where they all come together and they make that comment where she goes, it's a fucking morgue. Mm -hmm. 
Right. She's so they're like, on a plane, and then we find out that Major Briggs might be, like, the body's there. So we reroute the right. FBI plane to Buckhorn, and then she's like, you know, I don't need to see a dead body. Right, because she's like, fuck you. Because she's pretty much been, like, this whole time, like, I'll come here, but my, my end game is just to get home. Right, and she's like, why am I even here? Like, right. I have nothing to do with this, so I'm just going to sit here. And have a cigarette. Right. And they're like, oh, you can't smoke here. (laughs) She's like, it's a fucking morgue. And what I noticed that's interesting, too, is like, this is right before she gets the text from Coop. She does this wide leg sit that's like man-spreading. Where I'm like, she's being so manly. Um, and it, it's going to be on purpose because everything Tammy has been doing has been so slithery and feminine and curvy Snake-like. and like having Diane be so <clears throat> aggressively like masculine in this scene and like the colors and the angularity of her hair and her clothing. They're right. just trying to make Diane as different from Tammy as possible. And I don't know what that serves, but, do we know but it's a choice. It's, right. Do we know if it's a good choice or a bad choice? Because it's know. either, like, you can be harsh, you can be, like, this right. is one way to be a woman, or this right. is the opposite, where it's, like, you have long hair, and you're pretty, and right. you walk with your you hips. You slither about. Well, I think the other example of kind of... a fucking cheeseburger yeah. for 12. I know. You can't be voluptuous with bony hips. Right. That's just my thing. It's really bothersome. Well, and this is kind of the question that I've been struggling with, with the return in general, is femininity in Twin Peaks. It's true. Because in the original series, there's a clear place for the feminine energy. You know, like, Laura is the victim, kind of goddess, kind of virgin character i mean right and then you have all these other feminine tropes kind of surrounding her with audrey and donna and all these other strong female characters in the return of twin peaks you sort of have the shrew with like janie e and um doris it's like most of the female characters now are are one or the other right either candace doris um janie e or these like sinewy, slithery, feminine. Where it's like I'm trying like to like Phyllis, you. Tammy, and you don't have a lot of f- female character. And then or Diane, who is, I think they're drawing our attention to her emasculating of herself because she is doing that to like regain power as. You would, like, it's totally logical after her experience that she'd want to be like, I'm going to shun everything feminine and kind of channel this sort of manly, more masculine energy. So there hasn't been a ton of, like, positive female influences in the show, you know? And it does make me wonder, not not that any of the characters are particularly gleaming moral high ground characters. In all fairness was... Past Twin Peaks, feminists in that way, not really. No, like I really play, don't think so. They play like to the tropes of what women should be. The Madonna like, War Complex. Right. Which kind of... Where it's like, oh, you're slutty, or you're sweet, or like, it's the general tropes that women yeah. played. Which, it you know, 
I've been and I don't know enough of Lynch's work to be like to this see. is kind of like is he doing what it because it right. it seems to me like he has a healthy appreciation women. of women yeah I mean like he seems to have a lot of female friends women seem to love him yeah I mean, I mean well, right if Doesn't you pay seem... them multiple millions of dollars. I will love you too, Pat. Like, anytime. Like, we fair just enough, fair enough. Yeah. Throw yeah. $3 million well, at me. $3 million. That's low. Yeah. That's low balling on my total. It's a mystery. <laughs> I think that some sort of kind of like little whisper got into my ear that said, Does David Lynch kind of hate women? And that sort of whisper has been. Continuing but, to whisper a little bit where I sometimes all worry. all the wives are weird and Right, naggy. all the wives are shrews. I mean, all the wives are nags. Except for Betty Briggs. Right, Betty right. Briggs is lovely, but she's a widow. Betty Briggs. It's true. You know, but she was great when she was a wife and wasn't it's a widow. It's true. She was it's one true. of those quiet, <laughs> I just do what my husband yeah, said. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm just I thought quietly so. I supportive. Too, well, <laughs> and I don't know. And that's what is, it's interesting, that's too, that interesting we haven't concept. seen... Yeah. Bobby's wife? Because one of the things with Major Briggs's vision of Bobby in the future, he imagines Bobby with a wife and kids and a family. And we haven't seen Bobby's wife or kids. We don't know anything about Bobby having a family. I would be interested to learn about that. I mean... Did they say he has a family? Or well, they, we don't know at all. But from Major Briggs's vision of Bobby, which yeah. they've said... Is true. Like Betty Briggs was saying, you have to understand, Bobby, you were a far way right. now, or far away then from where you are now, and your father just saw this for you. He saw your future. And we know from that episode, which, I mean, it's an iconic moment in Twin Peaks. There's no way David Lynch would, like, disregard it when Major Briggs shares with Bobby this dream he has of Bobby. Mm-hmm. And, like, having this home and family and kids. Right. But we haven't seen any of that, so we don't know. And it's just kind of interesting because we also haven't seen anything with, like, Shelly's kid. Like, we don't know what happened there. You know, there's a lot of unanswered Twin Peaks. Like, lore. Yes. Questions that are happening. So we know Mrs. Briggs. We know Garland told her of his dream Mm -hmm. and everything. And then they find the chair, which Lynch alludes to being... Yeah, this is the chair. Earlier, it's just Andy and Lucy fighting over which color chair they should pick for $179. Right. Oh, my God. I didn't write that down in my notes. $179. Is that what it was? Yeah. And then before that was Dougie in his chair. The Dougie sitting in his chair. And there was no... They... Figure out there's nothing on Dougie before 1997. Right, the oh. the detective oh. Fusco. It's so it's interesting because Showtime has been, I think, extremely David Lynch supportive. They allow him to control everything. I think. I mean, since I su- subscribed to Showtime now, specifically for. Twin Peaks. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have not found much that I want to watch besides Homeland. Right. I really love Homeland. Yes, uh, and I yes, feel like yes. I should watch The Fair because I feel like that got really good recognition yeah. in the beginning. But I don't want to watch it. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, I'm newly single, so I can watch it. Okay. Yeah, I think like 
these descriptions of episodes, which are always extremely short, are like literally written by David Lynch. So the description for this episode on Showtime is this is the chair. And so there are three instances that could be tied to this is the chair. Number one, when Dougie is at the Los Angeles Police Department and he's sitting in a chair staring at an American flag and there's something about Kyle McLaughlin's eyes and his face and they start playing America the Beautiful and you feel like he's going to remember everything. he sees the red shoes. Yes, he sees a girl walk by wearing red shoes and they flash on that. So you're like, Audrey. Like, for Twin Peaks... And then he repeats answers. Answers. But a little more normally In his normal coop voice. So you're thinking... Chugs the coffee and does a funny little, like, Right. So when I saw that description, this is the chair, and that scene, I thought, this is the chair where Cooper remembers everything. And then that didn't happen, of course. So then the second chair reference is Andy and Lucy are both at the sheriff's department deciding between a beige or red chair to purchase. And they're both, like, at their respective desk stations (laughs) determining whether or not to buy a red or beige. She wants beige. He wants red. Right? And Andy what's Red, no, Lucy Beige. No, yeah. Lucy Beige. Okay. And what's so cute <laughs> to me about this scene, this is one of those scenes that, like, if you're not a Twin Peaks fan, means literally nothing to you. Like, you'd watch it and be like, why do we just spend so much time on this? That makes no sense. But if you are a Twin Peaks fan, it has a whole other sweetness and meaning because you're seeing, like, oh, this is what a Brennan marriage fight is like. <laughs> it's them fighting about something silly, like red versus beige, and both of them it's being how like. I picture both of you fighting. Yep. Right this now. is pretty much how it goes. Where it's like, <laughs> I really like this one, and I really like this one, Patrick. And then he's <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry, pumpkin. You can get what you want, and then <laughs> I buy him what he wants anyway. <laughs> That's yeah. literally how it is. That's right. Yeah. Where Andy yeah. and Lucy is. <laughs> it's, it's pretty disgusting. <laughs> because it's so cute. <laughs> but it's, so, it's like the but cutest But I'm going through scene. a breakup, so I'm very sad for it. So, whatever. whatever. That scene it's is fine. really, it's really fine. sweet. And I think if you're not a Twin Peaks fan, you're just like, who are these weirdos? But when you know and love Andy and Lucy like we do, it's and, so sweet. In all fairness, like we've said before, mostly when Kelly's really drunk on gin drinks, is you <laughs> can't pink, watch... Keep them away from me. <laughs> if you watch the show and the return, like, you can't be a casual fan. Like, you have no. to know There's stuff. not a possible way. Like, I know a lot more because I take notes. Like, I literally <laughs> you write study down it. You work stuff. at it. I know you do. <laughs> and then if you can't just come into it, because I've had friends be like... I can just like pop in. I was like, <laughs> no, no. It's you not watch like that. the two seasons, yeah. rent the movie, then come back to the it's Showtime true. series because mm-hmm. it's very like this isn't for the casual. Fan. No, it's, it's not for like a serious viewer, someone that just keeps it on the background when like they need to do stuff. No, which is not me, but it's probably you guys mostly. Kelly. But I mean, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feel, like I feel you like can't it's like background Lost, view. Kinda. Like, yeah, Lost was. It's true. You have to like, study. Lost, really. Yeah. But, 
Well, that was, we watched a Kyle McLaughlin interview that was really good where he talked about, you know. Well, you didn't text me back when I sent you in an Uber home to your husband and text your husband that you were coming home in an Uber (laughs) with all of the details. Thank God my parents don't listen to this podcast. Um, But, yeah. But. (laughs) They should. Because I never get drunk except for once a month in relation to Twin Peaks. But, um, yeah, so the Kyle McLaughlin interview was interesting because he said that he was like, it's a different pace than other television shows. But once you get used to it and invest in it, you're going to be along for the ride. You're going to... Once you get into the timing. Yeah, once you get used to the timing. Yeah, the timing and the... Which that is the thing that is very different about the show from other shows mm-hmm. is the the timing is different. I mean, there are right. scenes that go on too long. Once there are scenes that right feel wavelength. cut short. There, you know, it, it week to week there isn't necessarily like a cohesive flow. Right. You might not get an answer for a question three weeks after the question was asked. You know, right. like you have to be invested. Where I felt like because of this episode, because episode eight was the very lynchy, very artistic view of things. And then it's like episode nine was, so everything we kind of like miss because we were being weird and artistic right. over here. Yes. Like this is the Dougie stuff. This is <laughs> yep. the Bobby stuff. This is the Major Briggs stuff that we kind of like. You right, really William Hastings stuff. Yeah, right, which we haven't talked about yeah. him in ages. Like we haven't seen him since when? Like so episode, they spell, episode three or two. They spell, they spell out pretty much everything about his story. Like he's right, having an affair with the librarian crying. whose head they fe- found. With yeah, which I was wrong, listeners. Um, I I believed that he wasn't having an affair and that he was just. Kind of taken advantage of. He by wasn't. Him. He he I was. Didn't ha- think he was he having was, an affair. He was having an affair, but he definitely didn't kill her. I think. No, he I, didn't kill her. I agree. Yeah. They went into the black lodge, and then like Bob or something killed her. She had the numbers on her wrist because that that's was why her body her. was gone. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. my philosophy. Because right, right. she had written the numbers she wrote it down. And then he had to circle who major break who the major was that they met, and then wrote down the date nine twenty nine. Yep, because and then yeah, it was we haven't even gotten Cooper. To that. Cooper. Yeah. Everyone just keeps talking about Cooper, which is like if you kind of take a step back, it's super creepy because right. it's like Cooper was just a random person like that came through. into the lives, but then like he became like. A legend, fixture. Really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where it's like, like even like creepy stuff, like when Bobby finally opens the little bullet thing. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's like. Thing. And it's the second tab is like yeah. second tab. I work in Excel a lot. So yeah. it's the second As tab. As we discovered this second week, tab. drinking, Melissa works in Excel <laughs> a lot. I do not. Right. <laughs> right. So the second like piece of paper he pulls is just a bunch of numbers and then it says Cooper. Cooper. And then Hawk goes, two Coopers. Right. <laughs> and I was like, oh, only you, Hawk. Only you, Hawk. And 
listeners, it's a callback to when Major Priggs brought the very same printout to the Sheriff's Department to say that when they were monitoring deep space... They get a lot of gobbledygook. What was and the then message? he gets the Cooper Cooper. The owls are not what they seem. Was it two Coopers or was it three? It was Coopers? Cooper Cooper. Well, it was Cooper. I think Coopers. it was two Coopers. So then it's probably the same. Because Dougie is not yeah. supposed to be. I think that's what they're I saying. Think, right. And that's where all the threes are coming in because the threes are Dougie, Evil Coop, and Good Coop. Right. And the portal is all around three oh, and everything's I'm around three. I'm reading this weird young adult novel where <laughs> it just went into this thing where it's like three people are sleeping, but you only want to wake up two. Like the oh, third geez. one is like, you is the bad one. So I feel like it's it must all comes be like back to um, three theories. Uh, some yeah. uh, riddles. Sounds like yeah, some riddles. It's some kind of like listeners also. We're both 33 years old. Oh, I'm 34. Yeah. Today I looked at the clock at 3.33 and I was like, what the... (laughs) Like, threes have become my scary thing because of Twin Peaks. (laughs) Scary slash beautiful. But, I mean, there's definitely... They're not even hiding it. Now they're very open-handedly... They're They're parting the kimono. Yeah. You understand understand number theory. That there's shit going down. Right. It's like, oh... Because, so Bobby opens, so Mrs. Briggs. Betty Briggs. She looks. She finds. She didn't age a day. I mean, God, she looks I great. Mean, she uh, ages some days. Hmm. Oh, like, I mean, she looks great uh, to me. Yeah. I think she looks I mean, great. She looks good. She looks good. For her age. She's got like she a MacBook She's like an 80 year old woman. <laughs> Before she, looks she looked like a 50 year old woman, so. You guys are just terrible. <laughs> I think she looks great. Kelly's one of those that is always... You're very sweet, though. You're yes, very sweet. Yes, exactly. She her looks husband, great. Yeah, she looks good for her age, but she yes, did she is age old. Well, this is one as of the, the series aged 25 yes, years. One of the oldest casts on TV, I have to say. I, I mean, mean it's one of the, like, living ones. Yeah, it's like, true. We're in, like, yeah. oh, everyone else is dead. So she, um, and I love the way they do this scene, and I think this is one of the big payoff scenes in Twin Peaks. It's true. When Bobby, Hawk, and new Sheriff Truman come to see Betty, and she's working on her MacBook Pro, I like to think making a playlist for something. Just because that's what I like to think. I know. And then, um, and then. It's for your, your vibe. Right? And then they ask her, you know, a question about Cooper and she kind of almost cuts them off. And says that Garland Briggs said that Bobby would come by with Hawk and Sheriff Sheriff Truman. Truman. She says, I didn't know know it would be this Sheriff Truman at the time to talk about Agent Cooper. And he mentioned this the day before he died. Yes. So it's a significant thing, and she was, like, ready for this to happen. And um, it's a very sweet scene, the way it happened. She, like, offers them coffee, then brings them into the living room and shows them this chair. So that's the third chair. So we have the chair in the L.A. Sheriff's Department. We have the chair of Lucy and Andy, and then we have, finally, this chair. I think... And then she even says, this is the chair. This is the so, chair. So she's, this is see, this is the chair. the yeah. chair that they're talking about. And she just says that, that it was amazing because Bobby was nowhere near where he is now. And Garland knew where he would be. 
And so she basically hands them kind of like it looks like a little bullet from right. the chair okay. that yes, she yes. pulls a lever from the chair to pull it out and gives it to them. Yes. And it's like when they go back to the sheriff's department, there's that scene where Chad is eating like Garmin yeah. I like to think of it as two-lean cuisine. Yeah. Two lean cuisines, so they, but they're like corn lean cuisine. So he has Chad to, sucks. He has to throw it against the ground, hear the like vibrations, and then yep. throw it a Bobby second does, time. Yeah. Once, Bobby's once like, it gets to Bobby's the right like, pitch. I know what that is. Yeah. Right, and we're all like, "Why didn't you just say that as soon yeah. as you left your parents' house?" Because he was fucking with them. <laughs> well, and he also, I think Bobby's probably going through this moment where he's like. Could this possibly I be? I the hawk right now. Right, like, he's like, is this really all about me? Like, now everything... Like, I like to imagine that Bobby was kind of the mediocre police officer who's, like, tries hard and works, and he's decent at his job, but he doesn't have the natural gifts of, like, hawk. And now it's like his dad had built into him this, like, database of knowledge that's gonna save every save the day. And I think Bobby, part of why he gets so choked up is that he's having this gratitude about how his dad has given him this role in this drama that, Mm -hmm. you know, makes Bobby the hero, where Bobby would never deserve to be the hero. And suddenly he is, because Major Briggs saw that in him. And then he gets a second message. Once they open the bullets, he, he... Knows what Jack Rabbit's palace is or where it right. is or something like that. So it's and the instructions two hundred and fifty three, which I think are probably the instructions to get into the Black Lodge, right? Right. Which um, so listeners, let's dissect the note because I know if you're a Twin Peaks fan, that's all you're talking about right now is the note. <laughs> so the note says two hundred fifty three yards east of Jack Rabbit's place. Melissa, give us the number theory on that. Well, it's 2.53, which is also the time that they put. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's divisible by 10. So it's not divisible by 3, but it's 2.53, so it ends in a 3. Right. So not quite what we're used to. Not overt yeah. number theory. And then... Um, but something has to be going on, but 10... 10, 1, and 10, 2 are the be- dates. 10, 1, and 10, 2 are the dates, and it's before... Jack Rabbit's palace, put some soil in your pocket before right. you leave. And it's like... And the image they draw is the two triang- triangles, that's the Twin Peaks, yes. and one has a circle over it and one has the owl I'll cave see. symbol and a kind of like half circle above it. Yeah. So it does kind of look like a winking eye, I think, which is either like one-eyed Jacks or Nadine's or something right. with one right. eye. Because in all fairness, I thought that Jack Rabbit's was one-eyed Jack. Right. Initially, like I was. But like, it's or Jack is Rabbit's it, Or is it um, astronomy, where it's like the position of the could be the planets, and that's Ooh. exactly right, that, like, what one is. Yeah, because they have to live before because this is the time and this is the when place. Jupiter and uh, Saturn meet. Yeah, because when Jupiter and Saturn meet is when the Black Lodge opens. So I, I think maybe that. Interesting, might be. Pat. I've never been more turned on. That was amazing. I can leave um, the room if necessary. <laughs> Take a bottle of wine with me, though. <laughs> that's an interesting theory, huh? 
I mean, numbers and yeah. astrology have to be the big thing here. Yeah, and yeah, then the, the the second thing that they have is those like gibberish deep space signals with Cooper Cooper. Mm-hmm. It's all about Black Lodge and portals. And I think what this is all trying to do is to get Bobby to open up the portal because Bill Hastings talks about their portal journey that he and Ro- Ruth took where they saw the Major, and the Major was trying to get to another place. He was in a hibernation. Right. So we know the, the Major, He's that Major Briggs was... And it's 929. There's a lot of numbers being Right. Yes. They're like, no one's seen Dougie since 97, is, is one thing. And the Major was mm-hmm. in hibernation since he was 43. That's 10. And that 1997 is 10. It's so... This. Yeah, so why are we getting know. into 10s all of a sudden? That's kind of weird. And ten two. I don't know. And then 2s are big because, remember Richard and Linda? Two birds with one stone is like the first thing the giant ten says. one and ten two. Two Ooh, birds, interesting. one stone. We are stretching it. I mean, but, but these like, are the things you, you have know, to think. But you don't know. Right. And I still think Richard and Linda are the two kids of Cooper. Oh, Richard, and Horn, really and Linda. So. Eaton or Egan, whatever Diane's last name is. I'd like um, to have more hope. I think Richard is... De- the, the Richard that the giant mentions got to be Richard Richard Horn, Horn yeah, for sure. Um, oh, speaking oh. of horns, Johnny Horn gets killed in this episode. Um, which was... <laughs> hey, guys. That's what happened. Who let him loose? <laughs> that was my... Is what I want to know. Um, Mrs. Horn, which I... Out? I Mrs. looked Horn. up. He's living with Mrs. Horn. But it's she, the same she actress. she was screaming, who let him loose? I know. So, so we don't else, know. who let who him loose? Who lives there? They live in a very nice house. <laughs> um... Pat brought up an interesting piece of Twin Peaks lore, which is this is the third Johnny, correct, Pat? Yeah, that's a. Uh, I read a review on it. They, they had to die. <laughs> yeah. They mentioned that it, that there was a Johnny in the pilot of the original series, and then there was Hot Johnny, and then the Johnny in the subsequent oh. whatever episodes, episodes after yeah. the pilot, and then this Johnny who. The second the Johnny was like a Benny and June kind of Johnny, and he was I mean, very hot. I mean, the first two Johnnies were both hot, I think. Right. This sure Johnny was more, hot. I mean, you didn't really see him. Yeah. He kind of ran his head no, into a No, he literally picture frame just and then died. Yeah. Where. <laughs> Which is fine, you know. As having, my, this host might be the person that live tweets yeah. our episodes <laughs> where it was like, whoa, Johnny. And then yeah. I was like, fuck, <laughs> Johnny just died. But, hashtag, there's Audrey. Right. <laughs> like, there's a funeral. really, really hoping. Melissa and I were both like, what we need right now is an old school, full cast, Twin Peaks funeral for Johnny. Like, Classic. what I wouldn't give for literally Classic every character funeral. in Twin Peaks to right. be involved in a funeral. Bring Audrey <laughs> back. Here's your opportunity. Her brother just died. This has got to be it. I mean, this has got to be the impetus for her to come back to Twin Peaks. Because, like, I've always thought she wouldn't live in Twin Peaks. She would have gotten the fuck out. Right. So. And I think that's what the hardest of the return is, is it's so not Twin Peaks Mm -hmm. that it's like you have to really invest yourself in (laughs) more of 
the right. lynchiness than you want to because you can enjoy Twin Peaks just as like yeah a plot development where it's right. like oh here's a murder mystery story <laughs> yeah. like it gets a little right. weird yeah <laughs> but here you but, go like it's kind of cute but the tropes I are still there it. like is it the family or is it the boyfriend or is it like right. the weird guy in the Canadian tuxedo right. and then it right like this is just like there is no as we talked about previously or whether offline or online, there's no A plot. No. Like, there's no and thing we're thriving for. It's just like to get fucking answers to any of this. I, I mean, so really we, we to be. don't know what is A plot. Yeah. Like, right. Everything is could be connected, Dougie but or... some things maybe are not connected. Right. We don't know. Right. Yeah, I think right I think that Coop is right. the story. I mean, the story is of well, the three yeah. Coops. Or is it because we have such a connection to Cooper right. that we want it to be Cooper? Right, exactly. Because if it's not, as you've mentioned, Melissa, like, Twin Peaks is kind of the comedic relief. Like, the Twin Peaks scenes mm. tend to be the less serious scenes. They I mean, tend to have less development. literally, Johnny came in. We didn't really know it was Johnny until, like, we right. heard it, like, four times. Who saying, let like, Johnny loose? Yeah. Right. And then he ran into a fucking wall. Yeah. And then we just, like, go back to the giant hole in the wall, and you're like... Right. First off, how fast was this guy running? Like, even if you're... 35 years old, running at full speed. Right. Like, first off, if you've been locked in your apartment for so long, you're probably yeah. kind of chubby. And right. you don't have that kind of velocity to really kill yourself <laughs> by I, running into a mirror. I do think, too, that they, in the series, whenever they use Johnny, it was to bring attention to some sort of societal commentary. Like, oh. it was always like, Johnny was reacting like the way that was more normal while everyone else was trying to pretend like things were okay. (laughs) And so, like, I feel like Johnny's reactions are always supposed to draw our attention to, like, what would the normal reaction be if we weren't all hiding our feelings? But, Mm -hmm. um, speaking of... Not in this case. No, I don't know. (laughs) He just kind of runs out. Speaking of hiding our feelings, um, shipping alert, Albert and Candace... Oh, are my favorite couple in the world. Oh, yeah. Albert yeah. finds good, good call, his dream call. woman because Candace, the Buckhorn Police Department cop, um, baby Scully, they're all Scullies if they're, like, wearing a lab coat, um, is just and as, like, sarcastic as him. Yeah. Like, he says, what did he lose his marbles? And she said, when the dog got his cat eyes. And, like, yeah. he, like, looks at her like... Oh, I found my wife. <laughs> you know, I'm like, no. Cole totally, like, looks at them, too, and it's very cute. Like, I'm like, oh, Albert found his woman. Mm-hmm. Because basically, what I loved was before, right before that, like, the sheriff is like, this is all the shit that's been happening. Like, right. we found this guy. He wasn't this guy. So, like, he was, this guy was having an affair with this lady, and... Albert just goes, and then in season two? Yeah, I love that. (laughs) Which is a callback to Coop when he, 
when he woke up from his like gunshot wounds in yes. the first season. Good call, to, baby. Uh, Lucy describing Tell the events Lucy. of the, yeah. the prior night where everyone like, it's like the Leo mill burned down. The mill down yeah. and Shelley was there and this happened. God smoke ventilation. Yeah. Intolation, whatever. Totally. <laughs> this time, heaven included a double homicide, and yeah, yeah, it was definitely a callback to we Days of the Orchard Peaks. Yeah, very, very good, <laughs> good, good moment there. Um, we get a lot of. I mean, it really is interesting that, and this speaks to Kyle McLaughlin's interview when he says like it's about this different timing that like the last episode was all this cerebral artistic kind of conceptual stuff and this episode was like an exposition machine i mean it was like here's what's going on here's what it means here's who it applies to because i just spent two episodes kind of like lulling about about it right (laughs) yeah which is very much a conversation we had when we were doing like episode First season of right. Twin Peaks, where it was like, oh, oh, and now we have four pages of notes on mill plot. Right. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess there's other stuff going on now. Well, and that's what makes the return more difficult and more interesting is that you don't know what plot is the mill plot. Like, you have several plots to choose from. You can probably guess that anything involving Kyle McLaughlin is more important than anything not involving him. Right. But otherwise, you're sort of just everything could be I equal feel, opportunity. Right. I almost feel like Evil Coop is more A-plot. Yes. Dougie is certainly like, B-plot. Twin Peaks. Dougie is kind of comedy relief. Like, uh, yeah, remember how Kyle McLaughlin even says that when he's talking about the show. Yeah. Like, he likes the, the levity of... The Dougie scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Now, who... I have a question for you guys. Who do we think is JT? So there's... Ike the Spike sends a message for JT. Oh, good question. Um, He says, this is the message, no cigar taking medical leave, which means that he didn't make the hit. Yeah. And now he's hurt. Right. So the question is, who then is JT? Is it Evil Coop, like we sort of think? Because Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Thomas, could this be a home improvement crossover? Possibly. (laughs) Fingers fucking crossed. (laughs) It is an interesting one because it does seem like the theme of this episode is that, like, oh, everything ties together in that everyone reports to Evil Coop. Like, actually, Evil Coop is the millionaire in Vegas... And he's he the... He created the box like, in New York, probably. I'm, that's what I'm Right, like, right Evil Coop is and the... Then, is the um, it's been a plot about Buenos Aires. Right. Yeah, he's definitely related to that. He made the box shrink there or whatever. Yeah. So it's all about <laughs> Evil Coop. So it's somehow JT Evil Coop. Right. Um, in the midst of all this madness, we do get one more scene with Beverly and Ben... That I'm, I'm just very into this scene because I think it. No, you really enjoy I am. these. I scenes. just think. <laughs> I don't. Cause it's, so there's a couple of reasons. Number one, it's a quiet moment in an otherwise very <laughs> heavy action episode, and it's forced quiet where it's literally like taking the pulse of the audience and saying, 
there's a tone in the walls and do you hear it? And it's two characters just being in each other's presence in silence, listening to this mm-hmm. sort of buzzing that I think is like a symbol of their chemistry with each other. And like they're, well, they have this connection. Then I second guess that by having Jerry being lost in the woods still. Right. And not Jerry is lost in the woods. His foot is, is his foot. foot. I am not your foot. His foot says. Random shoot. Right. So I then he has to attack it. Attack it. <laughs> Which Jerry's again, very fucked up right now. Life is hard for Jerry. There is a Grover episode where he tries <laughs> to teach children whether his shoe is his shoe or is his shoe is his foot. Which is very relevant in this scene. I mean, it's about understanding if you are an extension of what's happening in your world or not. It's really important stuff. Or that you're so out (laughs) of it, you don't know your foot's your (laughs) foot. Like, there's two extremes here. I know, and I've talked about this before, but like... He's totally in tune with what right. he's doing. And I go, no, he's just fucking high right. and doesn't know where he is or that his foot is his foot right. and not a shoe. Why? Yeah, I do think that something has been lost a little bit with, like, new Jerry and having him be just high all the time. Like, I think there could be more stuff going but on. But what upsets me the most is, so if... We were weed dealers in a business where you could sell it legally mm-hmm. in a metropolitan area. Wouldn't you be more conscious of where you get high, what you get high on, and like how it affects you? So right. like you know which strand affects you the most, and then you're like, maybe I'll just sit at home. This is eat. not pot, Betty. No, Jerry's <laughs> no. like... This is yeah. like LSD, mescaline, some be. mind-altering drugs. Yeah. That because do not wear off easily. <laughs> right. Right, um, because wouldn't he think- just be like, it really bothers me in this aspect where it's like, he's just high and he doesn't know where he is, but it's like... Dude, like this is like shrooms. Selling, this is like right. shrooms. Yeah, he's selling fruit. Yeah. He's selling banana bread with pot with a jam on top and taking a nip at it. It's yeah, like, it oh. does seem like there's a disconnect between him and Ben. And I mean, what I really love about the whole Ben plot line is that he has this moment with Beverly where it seems like they're gonna kiss, and there's a lot of tension yeah, building up. It. And he says, I can't do this, Beverly. I don't know why. And she says, you're a good man, Ben. And if you're a Twin Peaks fan, you know the cost that Ben has had to pay to have someone say you're a good man, Ben. You know, like, he had to drastically change himself in his life. Yeah, he killed people. Well, through, like, asking Hank Jennings to kill people. And I think there's insinuation here. That we just kind of now We all just brush him aside. (laughs) But I do think there's insinuation here. And, I mean, I know we're going to get payoff on Audrey. I believe it. But I I think Mm -hmm. there's insinuation here that... Ben we're is almost on episode ten. I know. No. I know. So it's been like ten hours of no weird. Audrey. But nine more like, hours. Nine more hours. But wait, bro. here's right. the thing. Nine more hours. We haven't had much more Laura or Shelley or Norma. Like no we've one's had, had a, much. Like we've had a sprinkle. Basically, we've had like a little hours. bit. Yeah. Still, we don't know the background of what. Norm, right. Norma's been doing. We know. Right. <laughs> Shelley's. I think we know what she's been doing. 
She's been managing Same the Same fucking thing she was doing before. That's true. That's true. But we don't yeah. know if it's with Ed or... Where is Ed? Yes, I was We haven't seen Ed. Ed we know Ed's in the series. Yes. I know Ed's in the like, series. I want to know the background of what Nadine's been doing for the right. past. Does and Nadine might be important was... because that symbol looked like a winking eye. I'm sorry, and that's Nadine. Maybe it all comes be. back. It all comes and that's back to why she was like, oh, I'm a teenager now. I don't two. know. Yeah, and how did Nadine and Mike end up? Who knows? There's so many questions. But I do feel like something is pointing to Ben has suffered a loss. Whether it's that he divorced his wife or that he lost Audrey or that him and Jerry mm-hmm. sort of split up. There's something about Ben that tells me that he has had something bad happen to him. But and what if that was just the experience from But that's the not the Ben series, we saw so. in the series. Like but the Ben we was, saw in the Yeah, but series. he was trying to get he there. He was trying though. to get there, but he right. still had like you a think he another... me. He still had I think that Ben I think he just had too much charisma still I in don't know. I think end of no. two. Because I think he was that him suffering his... on character Yeah. And he's like, I'm not going His daughter being in a coma would be traumatizing. Okay, Even if there, she survived. There you go. There, the, yeah, you know, sure, like sure. That would be traumatizing. The traumatization of him... Sick daughter. Almost <laughs> raping his daughter and then... Uh, oh, yeah. And then almost... We don't, talk, we don't talk about that, that in the Horn family. No. no yeah, we don't talk no, about no. that. That is just <laughs> trauma for the... Trauma for your mama. Or therapist. Right, that right. no one talks died, about. died, you're right. In yeah, I mean, version. I think that it is a sadder but wiser Ben that is in these episodes. And I, I don't think like, it's just age. It's not just age. No, I feel like, I don't know. Part of me thinks that you're hoping for more than Ben is giving us. I know, but I also think that, like, he's a great actor. And I think that they've made a conscious change in the direction of his character and that there's a reason for it. And we're going to get that reason. And I think we're going to get it in the next two episodes, listeners. (laughs) Wow, Bob, wow. Wow, Bob, wow. I like to make (laughs) promises like that because, you know, then David Lynch has to listen. (laughs) He said it on the podcast. Oh, yeah, because he hasn't taped all the episodes for the (laughs) So... He must be listening to this before. Right, yeah. Everyone He's really goes concerned. To, He's really concerned know. about us. So, the only scene I have left in my notes is the last scene. Have you seen yes. that penguin? Right. Yes. The zebra, and the zebra penguin. is out again. I've got two two things. Before we get to this, like, the zebra penguin, yeah. okay. Um, we I do want to say, like, William Hastings, when he's describing oh, to Tammy. Yeah. So. Matthew Lillard. Yes. And this sobbing. is, it is interesting that yeah. this is their first use of Tammy that's practical. Like, they're like, we need to get a middle-aged man to spill his guts. Let's pull Tammy in. Let's get her to kind of bat She's her eyelashes. And we'll get, <laughs> we'll get him to, to speak up. And he says about his experience, like, visiting this other plane and that Ruth was dead and that Major Briggs like floated up to the sky which is similar to what we've seen the giant do when he floats up and also Carl, Major Briggs's head yeah. floating through space when uh, Cooper was on the right, top of the right because his right. head like separated from his body yeah. and then just so, floated away so, so I mean it, 
Bill Hastings is on to, like, Black Lodge theory. Yeah. And I think Cole knows that. I think Tammy doesn't really know that. I think maybe... Right, because she doesn't know what the fuck's going no, on. No, she's because... just kind of, like, hanging out. But Melissa and I both went to... Um, they created a Search for the Zone website. Showtime oh, or David Lynch or someone... And it has some fun stuff. fact that I learned from Conan O'Brien that, Ooh. like, once you mention a website on, like, TV, like, you have to have, like, ownership of it beforehand because, no like, people will automatically go there. So, like, you have to have, like, some kind of homepage or something no where way. it's like, oh, no, this is really my site. It's not like... If you show right. like, dot com after or something like that. Right, where it's like, like... Because, like... Conan O'Brien did like the masturbating bear or something. Right, and right, then, right. Like, he did something with like a dot com attached to it. He's like, yeah, we had to buy that because we can't <laughs> talk about it without purchasing it because like. That's so great. People will just go to a random. Because it's like how all telephone numbers have 505. Where it's like, that's not a real number. Oh, they probably don't care about buying those domains. Though. Right. But, like, <laughs> that's, like, that's funny. Yeah, that is good. No, that's good. But, like, the search good, for good the good zone. They yeah, definitely did, like, create like a website. a horrible blog website, too. And they make it look comic, so authentic. Comic Sans all yeah. over the place. And there's links. Where there's Comic Sans, the worst font. You know you hate someone when they reply to you in Comic Sans and you're like, yes, like what do you this do? Do you hate me? Like, yeah. I don't understand what's happening right now. Oh, is it very, very weird. But the website is, is, I mean, there's not a lot on there that we haven't covered. Like, right. I'm very proud of us for how close we've been to the theory that seems to be prevalent. But yeah, so that's... And then, okay, so this last scene at the Bang Bang Bar... We have Ella and Chloe, who are both Ella. sort of methy type meth characters. Yes, yeah. clearly methy. Um, Ella yes. has some rashes on her arm that she's itching. She is the more methy one. They both have And Pam and I discovered her because she was in a David Lynch concert um, that yeah. was like David Lynch music, and she actually sang the song Blue Velvet, yeah. which I remember thinking, I don't know if the actors choose their songs or David Lynch does, but... If you're thinking of what's the most iconic David Lynch song, it would be Blue Velvet. So, like, that's a big deal to be the girl who sings that song. Yeah. You know, like, that's, like, not a schmucky gig. <laughs> like, that was a good one. And most of her IMDb is performance versus acting. Right. And she's very into yeah. transcendental yeah. meditation. Yeah. They love TM. They you do love it. They much have to be in the TM. What's interesting is that um, Chloe says, have you seen that penguin in the beginning? Of the scene. Well, and then first she says, Zebra is out. Oh, yeah, that's right. The zebra is the out. Zebra is so out and zebra. Zebra is out penguin? again. And then, mm. have you seen that penguin? So, both black and white animals, like the black and white lion. And they both tried to make jokes or references that e- each one of them like, didn't get or something. Right. Like, or like, they're like, what? What do you mean? Well, and it made me <laughs> think of the penguin uh, joke that Cooper makes to Annie. Yeah, yeah. About, um, gosh, and I don't the, remember the, the joke. Tuxedo. Like the tuxedo. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Yeah, yeah, you look like you're wearing a tuxedo. Maybe I am. Yeah. Like, it, so it's, it's it got to be a deliberate choice to have them talk about these black and white creatures 
and to just be there and to have her have the rash. I do think there's kind of this subplot that's percolating under the surface that's going to gain momentum about, about the drug drugs. use. Yeah. yeah, and so maybe that's where the rash is coming from is the drug use here. I feel like the mill plot will be the drugs in Twin Peaks. Which isn't that funny because obviously that was the main plot with Laura, you know? Sure. Could I mean, just I be an like underlying a, theme too. I yeah. think, too. That Twin Peaks but, is just uh, about hot. drugs. Yeah. Bringing the sparkle down from Canada. So many sparkles. Yeah. Like so, a fucking glitter parade. I mean, I feel like again we have more questions than answers. You know. <laughs> but, sure. Yeah. Yeah. But we got <laughs> a lot more than we did last. Yes. Episode. Will episode? we get? Our funeral scene with all of our characters together. I would love that so much. I feel like it's not going to happen, though. I don't think it... I don't know. I don't know. Or an Atomic Bomb episode. I do love <laughs> Cooper in the Red Shoes. I mean, he's got Audrey on the brain, gang. Yeah, I feel like David Lynch coming. is going to apologize to his fans for this whole, like... No, he's Sorry not. Sorry that I didn't what? get Audrey and Coop together the no, first time. No. Now they're going to be married no. and have babies. No. We'll see. I don't know. He's been stuck in the fucking black lodge for 20 years. No, but years. he's been thinking about he those gams. Like... He's been thinking about those legs. Right, those shoes. His sperm <laughs> is, is yes, yes, falling yes, up yes. her vagina. Yeah, that's true. He's pretty he old is. at this point. I keep forgetting that. Love you, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, but you're a little bit on the older side now. No, He's a national treasure. He is. He's like the Maggie Smith. We of love him. America. Oh, my. <laughs> We love his I'm sweet, sweet face. Yeah, he's lovely. Meanwhile, 